chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. David Icke, Colt, Sean Bach for HawkeyeInsider.com, another edition of the Swarmcast. An instant reaction. Now we've finally gotten a chance to have some takeaways uh, from Iowa offensive coordinator Tim Lester, who met with the media for the first time on Tuesday. Sean, I think a lot to really dive into, a lot of eye-opening comments. And, and I'll preface this by saying I wrote a column last night about if Tim Lester could potentially win the press conference, how he could win the press conference. Maybe a weird concept, but I think given everything that's been going on with Iowa's offense over the last couple of years, I I was trying to get a gauge of the way the fan base would react versus how I think Tim Lester should approach it. And, you know, you and I haven't talked extensively off the air about this, so I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are. But, Sean, I was, I was impressed. I, I was really impressed with how he handled it. Yeah, I mean, I I liked a lot of the answers he said, and you know, the first the first step after the after getting the job, um, I wouldn't say it's winning the interview is is the first step. I think forming those relationships with with guys on the team and other coaches in the uh, in the program is probably the bigger step. But I think he said a lot of good things. Like I was like you, Dave. I was really encouraged with what he said. I mean. Hearing some of those facts, too, about Western Michigan, I know there was a lot of concern about that 2022 Western Michigan team that I think averaged like 19 points per game. There's mm-hmm. a lot of concern from Iowa fans. It's like, dude, this guy just got fired from his job at like Western Michigan. But those comments from Lester were saying, I was trying to be more of a head coach, and I brought someone in who wanted to do yeah. things differently or you know, just a different style than what they were used to. And they're losing two of their more impo- most important players on the offensive side of the football that they weren't expecting to lose. So I think that was really encouraging on top of what he said in 2021 as well with uh, the offense that he had and how successful they were able to be with more of that balanced run, um, run pass game. And, you know, I liked what he said too about the, about the 12 personnel playing the 12 personnel because Iowa has recruited – I know there was some concern about, you know, how many tight ends would Iowa, you know, use if with Tim Lester's offense. And yep. he said right off the bat, like, I feel like I'm a 12 personnel guy. And tight end is probably the position that Iowa is recruiting at the highest level at right now. And that was really encouraging to hear because you want to you wanna get those playmakers on the field. And I think if you have those tight ends and to know that Lester was really comfortable with it and he's had success within the past, I think that was, that was a really good, that was a really good statement that he made. 
You know what captured my ear initially, Sean, was during his opening statement. And it was when he talked about wanting to be aggressive. I mean, that's what really surprised me because if you think about the offenses over the past couple of years, I think the last word we would use is aggressive, right? Sean, they were doing outside zone, you know, kind of sticking the basics, throwing the ball to the outside, not putting the ball at risk too much. But Tim Lester said they're going to be aggressive in, I quote, everything they do from keepers to RPOs to different options. And that was very, and, and tempos included, it was very eye-opening to me that he was kind of willing to throw himself out there. And I think the other thing that really stood out to me, flexibility and adaptability. Because what have we kind of heard over the last two years or so? We're going to do the same thing, only better. And then you hear Tim Lester talk about, we're going to have different route trees for different coverages. I have 600 plays of passing plays. And whenever Cade McNamara gets back healthy, he's trusting Cade to know, hey, you're going to need to spread the ball around. We're going to get these different players involved. And I started right off the bat. I asked Tim Lester about the wide receiver usage, how he's going to be able to utilize them. And he just said, you know, we're going to let our quarterback go through different keys and we're going to make, and I'm going to trust him to be able to make things happen. But he needs to know he's going to spread the ball around. It does not matter if it's screens, if the ball is being thrown downfield, there's going to be a lot of different things available. Uh, for McNamara and for this offense. So flexibility, adaptability, and aggression. Maybe some buzzwords to other programs, but I think when you look at where Iowa is coming from, I think that's a huge, huge step in the right direction if they're truly going to be about that mindset. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with you. And I liked what he said, too, about you You mentioned it, adapting to the defense. Is like, yes, you can have – Yes, you can have your own system. Yes, you can have your own style. Yes, you can come in with a game plan. But I really liked what he said when he said the defense is going to come in with a game plan too. And, you know, if they outsmart you first, you know, first time around, then, you know, how are you going to come back and how are you going to come back and alter that? Like you had to have more than one thing prepared. You had to have, you know, unique things prepared. And, you know, Iowa just, I mean, yes, that's a personnel thing. Like, you have to have the personnel to be able to do that. But also I think there is more to Lester's system or Lester's style that can help Iowa, even if they don't totally have the personnel um, mm-hmm. that, you know, they need to be successful. But I think there's ways that you can kind of alter it or kind of, I guess, change things up like mid game, like mid game adjustments is, kind of what I'm saying, but also, you know, like drive-by-drive adjustments. Like you're not going to have a – you're not going to be able to do the same thing consistently against really good defenses in the Big Ten. And, I mean, you look at Iowa this year, like they didn't have any way to respond. Granted, probably a personnel thing at the end of the day too, but they didn't have any way to respond or alter – or respond or, you know, change things up or scheme things up when opponents were putting eight guys into the box. They just continued to run yeah. the football. Yeah. And that's that's a small sample size, but that that's probably one of the most, like, exemplified moments of, okay, like, this isn't going to work. Like, yes, there are personnel issues. Yes, there are <laughs> things like that. But mm-hmm. it's like you got to find a way to combat that no matter who you have on your team. And I'm not saying that Brian didn't do that, but he just didn't do it well enough or just didn't seem to find the ways to do it. Um, You know, that's a team thing too. But I think with Lester coming in, 
there's going to be more ideas. There's going to be more, you know, different types of schemes, different types of things that they can do to, you know, make this offense effective and make it dangerous. We know that Iowa's had injury struggles, especially this past year. But to me, the bigger issue than even the injury, Sean, was you're right. They just did the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. It never worked. I've said it before the season, before last season. I'll say it again this season. The fact is that Iowa, I believe, has the personnel to be at least take a big step forward offensively. You look at now they got Caden Proctor. Caleb Brown, I think, is going to fit in very, very well with the way Tim Lester wants to utilize the wide receivers, especially in those RPOs, screens. He's going to be a guy that I'm – and he kind of reminds me of Sky Moore, who also played under Tim Lester. I think there's a certain degree of skill set that could transfer over, be utilized the same way. You have good running backs. You're turning a lot of the offensive line. You're going to have an All-American tight end candidate in Luke Lachey. There's options available. But the other thing is, Sean, that, that you mentioned it in your write-up about the eight quotes that stood out to you, is Western Michigan had a super explosive offense in 2021. They averaged 32 and a half points a game. Uh, they were 16th in the country in rushing yards, 47th in the country in passing yards. But the real thing is, on top of that, they were fourth in the country in time of possession. And that's a very unique stat, a very weird stat. Because Tim Lester said when he was asked about that year, they never huddled. I don't know how you don't huddle and you are fourth in that time of possession. And that probably is music to Kirk's ears because Kirk still wants to be a complimentary football team. He doesn't want to run air raid offense. But even looking at some of Kirk Ferentz's comments, Sean, I felt this is probably the most open I've felt that Kirk Ferentz is to adapting certain things on offense and changing some certain things about the offense. Now it's not going to be a complete overhaul of a system. He's going to stick with his priorities and what he's kind of built the program on. We talked about how his ears are all open for making some of those adjustments. So again, it it's difficult to really buy a ton of stock into it just because we have yet to see the product on the field. But if they're truly going into this off season with this sort of mindset, at least to me, Sean, it's it's hard to imagine this group not taking not just a step forward, but a fairly significant step forward in year one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to take some time. Um, I think they can be a top 80 offense this yeah. year. Um, I think that's definitely realistic. And with that defense, too, I think you can get away with that and still, you know, potentially win 10 games. Because I think the schedule this year is pretty favorable for Iowa, especially with this new Big Ten. I mean, going to Ohio yep. State's going to be tough. Washington has a complete overhaul of the roster. New coaching staff, too. Um, you play a lot of Big Ten West teams. I think you play Michigan State, too. I don't have the schedule so. in front of me yeah. right now. And Michigan State, I think, will be, will be a better team. But they're definitely still a pretty beatable opponent. Um but, yeah, I mean, I think, like, we have talked a lot about – or you play UCLA as well, right? At UCLA on November 9th. So here's the schedule, just at least the Big Ten okay. portion, yeah. right, in order. At Minnesota, and then Iowa has a bye for that final week. So they have a bye before they go at Ohio State, which, you know, that will be interesting. Then they play Washington at Michigan State, Northwestern, Wisconsin at UCLA, a second bye week at Maryland, and then Nebraska on November 29th. So that's so the it's Big a win- schedule. It's, so yeah. It's a really winnable schedule. Like, I think Iowa State will be 
a little bit better next year. I mean, they, they're going to lose some guys, but I still think they'll have a pretty good roster um, or at least be a pretty tough opponent. Mm-hmm. But I think if if you consider what Iowa did this year, like there there is a path to 10 wins. There is yeah. a big path to 10 wins. Um, and I think this team, if with a with a competent offense, like this can be accomplished. It can definitely be accomplished with a competent offense. You know, that's but there's still a lot of question marks with this offense. You mentioned it. Um, like you have to see the product on the field. One, two, what does K McMara look like coming into the season? Yep. He's not fully gonna be a full go in pads until August. He's gonna be able to do things throughout the summer. But he's not probably not going to be full go. And Iowa doesn't want a situation like last year in the kids' day practice where he goes down with an injury and it completely alters their season. Two, does Iowa go after another quarterback in the transfer portal? That sounds like the plan right now. But, you know, do they feel confident about some of those guys behind Kate? I, I have to think that they go after one still. Three, you know, I hate to say this, but. Do any of the skill guys transfer out after the spring? You know, I think the wide receivers, there's not enough for to like, you know, see the need to transfer out. Yeah. But, you know, what about that running back position? I know all those guys have said they're staying, but you know, how how much? Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's it's a weird, like there's so many what ifs, and I'm not trying to be a pessimist here, but there's so many what ifs to you know kind of really feel confident in knowing what this offense is yeah. going to look like and what it can potentially look like and the thing that's nice about Tim Lester is you can sell an offensive coordinator like Iowa's offense is tough to sell to people I think or I mean it is it except is. for being like a tight end <laughs> or an offensive lineman yeah but with an offensive coordinator like Tim Lester you can really sell him you can sell that to a transfer portal quarterback Mm -hmm. you can sell that to a transfer portal wide receiver you're able i mean there's more to kate and proctor than tim lester but because he wasn't even they didn't even name him offense coordinator when he committed and when he hit the portal but you can sell you know a new offensive coordinator better than you probably can sell a first year offensive coordinator depending on how like the results are so there, there is a strong. There can be an attraction to Iowa to get some of these guys in the portal. Like there, there is potential to get a guy in the portal that you know potentially could compete that starting quarterbacks spot with Cade. But and I mean, even, even from the wide receiver too. perspective, yeah, yep, yeah, that's exactly. If that's the route that, that, if that's the route that Iowa decides to take, like I think Kirk said today, they feel like decent about the receiver room. But I feel like you got to add a piece in there. You need a veteran leader on top of it. I mean, there, there are a lot of young guys. A lot of them are athletes. I mean, I like Dayton Howard. Jerry at Bowie got a little bit of run last year in, in sparing action. But, Sean, you talk about, you know, Nico Regani's leaving. I mean, you're, you're losing guys that have been a part of the system for a while, or at least in Iowa uniform. You need the, Deontay Vines transfers, like – the, the production may not be off the charts, but they're the most experienced guys in there. And I think if you're Iowa, you know, depending on the scholarship situation, you have to go on the portal and you have to land a proven receiver. Now, I'm not even saying a big name receiver, because the reality is I don't know how Iowa gets a big name receiver. 
even with the new offensive coordinator, just given the way that Iowa's run their system over the years and the reputation they have. But you could go in there and you could get a couple guys that maybe were the third option on maybe group, you know, on certain teams. Guess what? You could be a two option. We're running this new RPO choice route system where you're going to have opportunities to shine. And I'll tell you this, if you're a wide receiver and you shine in Iowa's system, you're going to propel yourself so much more upward because Iowa just hasn't had wide receivers with great numbers over the past decade. That's just the reality, but they've had one wide receiver with more than 600 yards since start 2016 season. That was Amir Smith-Marset when he had 722 in 2019. I believe Tyrone Tracy had 587 that year as well, but that was the real last year of productivity. 2020, you kind of got to throw out the window. Maybe they would have had it if there was a full season. Uh, so maybe it's not fair to throw that season in there, but there's a lot to sell. And you mentioned Cade McNamara. I just want to read off a couple of quotes that he said about Cade McNamara because he asked, he was asked about it, uh, about Cade whenever he's healthy. Are you worried about the way he'd, you know, kind of be able to come back? And he essentially said, whenever Cade is ready to go, I'm looking forward to working with him. However, there's absolutely zero way that you can discount his experience. When you have experience of playing in games, I'm confident he'll pick it up when he's healthy, whenever he's ready. If he didn't have a ton of experience, I'd be more scared and more worried. He'll get a lot of learning in, but he's played in games. And that's invaluable when playing the quarterback position. I'm not married to anything. I got to figure out what he's good at, and I have to put him in those situations as much as possible. And that's why I also really liked about Lester today. He didn't talk about recruiting guys for the system. He talked about changing his system to put his guys in a position to be able to make plays and be successful. That's the biggest thing I think I've been missing from watching Iowa football over the past however long, even maybe even before Brian Ferentz. There just seems to be a lot of flexibility. There seems to be adaptability, and there seems to be a willingness to do things different to make his players shine and to ultimately make Iowa score points. And if that's truly the case and Kirk Ferentz buys into that, like you said, a top 80 offense is a significant step forward compared to what it was for the last couple of seasons. So I think the personnel is in place, and I give Tim Lester a lot of credit here as well. He wasn't over-promising anything. He was just making it clear what his philosophies are because he said a couple of different times, and I quote, I don't know the personnel yet. I have not even met all of the players yet. I've only talked to them in the hallway. But then you also look at, what else he said that was a big foundation of what he was trying to sell. And it was basically saying how he valued relationships above everything else before relationships, before opportunity. So I think the open had to, to be that open-minded to be able to get to know your players and your personnel and then create and craft the system that you want to be able to put in place at Iowa. Again, I think there's just foundational pieces philosophically that make a lot of sense for this hire. So I know I was initially pretty critical of Tim Lester being the guy and this, the jury still is out, but the press conference, as far as what I was looking for was probably as successful as I could have imagined it being. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today. Part of the CBS sports podcast network. 
Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Yeah, I mean, and that's, like you said, that's the first step. Like, I know Iowa, like, couldn't really care less about, you know, how people interpret the hire. Yep. But you got to, like, you got to be able to draw some excitement, too, like, right out of the gates. And I think Lester really appealed to a lot of people. And that's a good thing because that's – not something that, you know, happened in the last hire um, for the offensive coordinator. That drew a lot of criticism. But, I mean, Lester has proven that he can run a pretty good offense when he has the keys to the offense. And, you know, obviously he used to have that head coaching title and more of his focus was on offense at that point. But Mm -hmm. he's proven that he can put an offense together. And if you have the right personnel and if you can stay healthy – like there are pieces in this Iowa program that can make things work. And I just, right now, I mean, I know it's, it's easy to say this, but I just think with the guys coming back with the offensive line, they have coming back. I think I just can't see a, a, this isn't, this is not working right now. Like I just really see it working. You know, I don't know how explosive it's going to be, but I think it's going to be competent. Like just based on how what I've seen from Lester throughout his time at Western Michigan, his different blocking schemes, his different, you know, ways of using receivers and the potential receivers that Iowa is going to have. And but it, it like I said though, a lot of it's gonna depend on personnel. Like if you if you can't get K McMara to a point where he can throw the football, like where who do you put out there? That's that's the big question. Yep. That's why I think they need to attack the portal for another quarterback. I, I think Marco Linez can run this system. And I know people have their opinions on Deacon Hill, but like I'm not diving into the specifics of, of, his, of his past season experience, et cetera. But given Deacon Hill's playing style and the way he's been recruited, can could Deacon Hill even run this style of offense? In my opinion, it does not fit what he's able to do, which is stretch the ball downfield and do a couple other little things. So that that's right. You know, I'm, I'm not surprised in a way asked about if Marco Linos would take the majority of snaps. I'm sure we'll find out later on. But in my opinion, I think Marco Linus, as far as the skill set goes, it probably fits his game a little bit better to be able to run this sort of thing. But you're right. I mean, I think Iowa probably wouldn't have minded getting another quarterback in the first portal opening. But it also goes back to this. And we talked about a little bit when we talked about Ty Thompson he, when he planned the visit. How do you sell quarterback in Iowa right now? for the guys that are in the portal, right? Because Cade McNamara is going to be the starting quarterback next season. And guys are most likely leaving to get a shot at being the starting quarterback. So it's a really, really tough sell, I think, for Iowa. That's why that second portal opening will be interesting. But Iowa, in my opinion, does need another wide receiver. Lewis Bond from from Boston College had an offer from Tim Lester coming out of high school. He's not in the portal. Make sure that's clear. With Boston College making some changes, no, if he enters the portal, maybe Iowa goes after him. And I'm sure he'll have a a couple of other suitors as well. 
Uh, but Iowa does need another proven wide receiver to run the system. But again, the flexibility, the adaptability, and the willingness to do different things, RPOs, keepers, tempo and no huddles just seems like an insane concept to Iowa fans because we just haven't seen a lot of it, right? That's where I'm eager. How much of this is actually going to come into fruition? And I know a lot of the Kirk Ferentz, you know, defenders, which again, that's that's their their mantra. That's their ride or die. That's their guy. And he's earned a lot of credibility, obviously, over his career. But will Kirk Ferentz keep his hands off the offense and trust Tim Lester's system while keeping the base of the way he wants to run his football team? Because if we go through all of this and he trots out a Brian Ferentz style offense, it's just not it's not going to work. So is Kirk Ferentz really going to be willing to change and be comfortable with changing on top of all of that? That's my big question, because as I've kind of written in my stuff of Lester when he first got hired, there's a belief that Lester has a grasp of modern offenses, especially in the NFL and college, of course. But he respects the way Kirk operates within the program. And if Kirk can reciprocate that energy, then there's going to be a lot of ample opportunity for Iowa to take a step forward as a program in terms of actual complementary football instead of two phases carrying the one that's lacking. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it all makes sense to me. Should we, should we talk some recruiting now or do you want, do you have anything more? Yeah, let's, 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 let's throw in this real quick because this is just a report. There is a report report now from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that special team, Iowa special teams coordinator, LeVar Woods has interviewed for the special teams coordinator position at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As, as crazy as it sounds, Sean, to me, this is not necessarily surprising. I think LeVar Woods has gotten a lot of opportunities at other places over the years. And with Seth Wallace, and we'll dive into him later on another podcast, he's the assistant head football coach. He got a significant raise. Phil Parker got a significant raise. Tim Lester is now being paid over a million dollars. LeVar Woods didn't get a raise. And he's been a significant part of this program's success, obviously since he's been here, but I think especially over the past three or four years. Uh, is this going to be the time where LeVar Woods actually leaves if he gets the opportunity? And I, I think it's certainly going to be something to watch. And if that happens, where does Iowa go? Because we know how much Kirk Ferentz values special teams. Does he promote somebody within the staff? Or they go throw some decent money at another coordinator from another program. Yeah, I mean, I could be biting. I could be biting my words here, you know, kind of not, you know, totally wrong. Like Mason Woods, Lavar's son, a 2025 prospect could be commit to Iowa in like the next day or two. And, you know, this would be a totally, totally wash point. But, you know, kind of reading the tea leaves with that recruitment, I've kind of, you know, compared it to LeVar's situation a little bit because Mason's always been like, you know, it like if he really wanted to commit to Iowa or he was a lock to Iowa, he probably would have committed by now. But I also think he wants to make the decision more so for his future and his wanting than, mm -hmm. you know, potentially what his dad is going to do. And, you know, there's there's been rumors the last couple of years that LeVar is potentially looking to go to other places and see – potentially what else is out there. Um, but, you know, I mean, there seems to be some really significant steam right now. And, 
you know, an NFL job is nothing to scoff at, like especially if you're getting paid big bucks and, you know, who knows, maybe LeVar's agent told him, hey, let's take this interview, let's use it for leverage, let's see if Iowa can pony up a couple more dollars. Like that's a very real possibility as well. Or, you know, maybe there's some NFL interest for LeVar. Maybe he wants to go that route. You know, there's kind of so many different angles where you can attack this. And LeVar definitely deserves an interview because there's no doubt in my mind he has been – the probably the best special teams coordinator in the country over the last couple seasons. And he's had, he's had the unit to back it up. So he definitely deserved this interview, but like I wrote in the article, is it because there's NFL interest or is it because he wants to use leverage, you know, because he didn't get paid. I mean, I'm not saying like, this is the main motivation. Yeah. 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 But, you know, how how do you kind of compare the two there? Like, that's where it's a little – that's where it's Dicey. tricky for me. Yeah. It'll be interesting to follow along with that. I mean, LeVar Woods, in my opinion, did deserve a raise, but there's a lot of other parts that have been kind of moving behind the scenes. Because the other part, too, is, Sean, if you don't give Seth Wallace that raise, Seth Wallace said today he could have dipped out. Seth Wallace had an opportunity to go to Minnesota. He had opportunities to go elsewhere. And he said he chose to stay. And that is 100% the truth. He had opportunities to go elsewhere. Uh, and it was well-deserved for Seth. I think he's been under the radar. Phil Parker gets a lot of credit, and rightfully so. But Seth Wallace is a huge part of that. A huge part of that as well. So let's dive into some recruiting to kind of end this off the last couple of minutes here. Uh, let's start right from the top. Thomas Meyer, uh, four-star tight end. In-state, but a huge pickup nonetheless. And you talked about a little bit earlier. You touched on it. The tight end recruiting is off the charts right now. This is probably the best as far as star value and everything that Iowa's recruit at the tight end position in quite some time. I love his game. Very, very good athlete, but give us just the recruiting rundown here. It's been a very, very busy week. I know for you. Yeah, this is a big win for Iowa. Um, The Hawkeyes offered Meyer Clear Lake native last April. I think it was, Um, Mm -hmm. and it was Iowa and Iowa state to start Kansas, Kansas state offered, then a few more schools entered the race, especially as of late. Miami, Florida was one of them. Uh, Stanford was in there. Texas A&M was in there. A lot of really big-time schools. And I've made the trip up to Clear Lake, I think, three times to see Meyer, and I never really got a great feel for where he was leaning. But it always felt like he was going to stay in state. And Iowa was able to get the job done this weekend during the junior day visit. And there was some, I mean, I always felt good about Iowa in this race just because Meyer grew up a big Iowa guy. His family is big Iowa fans. Iowa's tight end production speaks for itself. But Iowa State, man, like they were making a big run at Thomas. They wanted Thomas really bad. Taylor Mauser, the tight ends coach at Iowa State's a really personable guy, really able to gel well with a lot of these tight end recruits that, you know, they're going after. And, you know, Iowa State had a had a visit weekend last, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Yeah, where they had five five or six of their top twenty twenty five targets on campus, just all together, um, and they were able to really have these guys gel. And you know, there was some confidence out of Ames that they were going to upset Iowa for Meyer, but Iowa was able to land them. Jay Neiman and Abdul Hodge deserve a lot of credit for putting in the work in this race because. This wasn't this wasn't a layup, you know, as as many people might have thought it was throughout the throughout the recruitment. It was not a layup. Iowa had to, yeah. had to work at this one. And, you know, the staff did a really good job of making things personal on the visit. 
really made the family company and you know we're just able to get him in the boat earlier than they might have uh might have expected maybe a little later too but it was a good win for them and then you know to to get Carson Cooney three-star linebacker from Illinois over over a couple of Big 10 rivals was also a really big win for Iowa cuz Cooney and Gal- Burke Goucher, the other fellow uh, linebacker come in that 2025 class, I think are going to be a really good pair for each other. I think Cooney's more of a inside middle linebacker type. Well, Goucher can kind of play, you know, all three spots. He's pretty flexible. I mean, he was a high, he's a high school safety, high school quarterback, almost Cooper DeGene-esque. Um, so who knows? Maybe he can play the cash at some point too. But – you know, there's just a lot to like about these types of guys that they're bringing in this class. They have a really good class right now. I think it's up to 18 on 24-7 sports, so not necessarily, you know, the elite of the elites, but, you know, things are starting to pick up a little bit, and I was after a lot of really talented guys in that 2025 class, so kind of excited to see how things shape up here in the next couple months. Yeah, they have five commits right now. They're up to 17. Just double-checked it. But, yeah, Iowa's done a really nice job. But more importantly than the star ranking, Sean, like what does Iowa value? They value getting their higher priority targets and keeping the in-state locked down along with getting some under-the-radar and big-time guys out of Illinois. And I think they've at least got the foundation. They have Jimmy Sullivan. They already got the quarterback of the class as well. So 2025 is moving along. And like you said, I think there's a lot of confidence within the staff that they can really hit a home run with this 2025 class. And you know what would really help them too? A good offense, a capable offense, doing some things going in the right direction there. So stay tuned, 24-7 sports uh, for everything Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting. 60% off through midnight tomorrow, Wednesday, February 7th. Be sure to hop on board. Hawkeye Insider has been one of the fastest growing sites on the 24-7 Sports Network. So thank you to everybody who subscribed, recommended it to anybody. Stay tuned to the Swarmcast. Follow us on Twitter at David Eichel, at SBOC247, and at Hawkeyes on 24-7. And stay locked in for the most in-depth Iowa coverage available. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.